welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Well, I'm excited to be back in the preaching seat tonight, I guess, uh, after having a couple of weeks off with Steve. Uh, it was great to have him here. It was great that I could pe- be here for one of them, although we missed uh, Wes. But uh, Beth did a phenomenal job last week and gave Chris a week off, And but it's great to have you back as well, Chris. Um, I, I miss our church family. Um, I, I love what God's brought together here, and I'm so excited that we get to meet together week in and week out to go over the words of Jesus, to draw closer to him, to be encouraged, to be strengthened and renewed. And like Chris even said, announcing the guy study, um, COVID was a long haul. I know we're still not out of it right now, but um, just the isolation Um, It was hard, and a lot of the disciplines that I know even I had before COVID um, really took a beating, and it was hard to stay engaged in the Word. It was hard to stay um, faithful to my prayer life, Um, and it seems silly, but I attribute a lot of the reason it was so hard to the lack of community, Um, because I wasn't seeing you all week in and week out and throughout the week. And, and when there's no accountability, when there's no relationship, when it's just so removed, it starts feeling like, well, why? Why, why am I doing this? Why am I going through the motions? Um, so I just encourage you tonight that as we dig into the words of Jesus, um, lean into him. Because I know, in a sense, we were removed from one another, but we were never removed from the person of Christ. And I'm embarrassed admitting that I had such a hard time because I neglected the presence of God in my life throughout COVID. Not always, but it was sometimes just easy to forget or grow complacent. So tonight, I want us to get to know Jesus. And what better way than to go to the source? Go to Jesus himself. Because if I wanted to get to know Eugene, sure, I could go to each one of you and ask about Eugene. But what better way than to go to Eugene and actually ask? So seven... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Seven times in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am. And then he goes on to describe who he is in his own words. And of course, he did that because many people had a lot of opinions and a lot of questions about who he was. In fact, the questions that dominate chapter 9 of John's gospel are questions that are still asked today. Is Jesus God or not? Prophet or not? Messiah or not? Son of man who, will be set, who God will set as judge over the world? Those are the questions that arise in chapter 9. And in fact, I believe even for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we still understand what it's like to ask questions. We still understand what it's like to doubt and to wrestle through our faith at times. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus really alive and active? Does Jesus really love me? Is Jesus with me? Is Jesus for me? But the good news is that Jesus doesn't simply leave it up to us to figure out who he is. He's very clear about it. 
And every time Jesus says, I am, he's making the claim that he's fully God and fully man. So if you have your Bible or your Bible on your phone, take it out and let's jump into John's gospel in chapter 10 and see who Jesus is in his own words. So we're going to be reading John 10, looking at verses 1 through 10. And it starts off with Jesus saying, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus once again uses a parable in these first few verses to communicate a much larger truth to the narrow questions that are being asked. And then in verse 7, Jesus continues with therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, you can ask yourself, what's it there for? And in this case, he's giving further explanation to what he just shared. So he says, therefore, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved or kept safe. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. So let's start with why. Why is Jesus saying this? They're asking the question, who is Jesus? And Jesus responds by sharing a parable. But he does this because he wants us to see the big picture of what's happening. That he is the great I am. And he wants us to have and experience life. He wants you to have life to the full. And we do this by learning God's voice. Verse 8 tells us that all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them because they knew the voice of the Father, the voice of the shepherd. And it's just like parents with kids, or perhaps when you were a kid with your parents, you're pretty good at picking out voices from a crowded room, for better or worse. In fact, we can usually even tell why they're calling us. When I would hear my mom like, Kevin! I'm like, oh, I need to hide. Or if she's like, Kevin, I'm like, okay, maybe dinner's ready. I don't know. But the same is true for our relationship with Jesus. As we spend time with him in his word and in prayer, listening to him, we learn his voice. We, we learn how he speaks to us. And we're able to discern right from wrong, wise from unwise. And we learn to live within the boundaries that he's set for us. And not only that, but we become grateful. We, we actually enjoy living within the boundaries he's established because that's what allows us to live life and live it to the full. And it seems so simple, but our creator knows what's best for his creation. 
And I know it's popular today to say, live your truth. I hear that dropped all the time now. But I'll be honest, that saying grinds my gears. And I get that on the surface level. Um, it seems very pleasant. It's very encouraging. It's about knowing who you are, knowing yourself, living out of your values. And that's commendable. But if you really think about live your truth, then truth becomes very subjective. And the problem is that it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with, well, what's your truth and what's your truth? And for Jesus, truth is something that can be known. Jesus says in John chapter 8, 32, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And as we learned the first week in this series, in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as you discover and know truth, you'll be set free. As you develop a personal relationship with Jesus and learn his voice, you'll be free to live the life that you were created for. So Jesus begins his I am statement here in chapter 10 with, I tell you the truth. And this is pretty powerful because Jesus is saying, I am truth, and the truth is, I am God. And then he says, I am the gate for the sheep. And again, Jesus refers to people who follow him here as sheep. So I want to just take a moment to talk about sheep. Um, I'm sure... The first thing you think of are the illustrations and examples where sheep are dumb. Uh, Alex sent me some great TikToks um, that with some pretty dumb sheep doing some hilarious things that uh, I thought were awesome. But as I sat with it a bit more, too, I, I, Jesus isn't saying this in a derogatory sense, especially that we've heard lately, like sheeple people who are foolish or easily led astray. I actually believe what he's saying here is that he's like, if left on our own, we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. It doesn't take long. If we don't have proper boundaries, we start eating a blade of grass over here and then move over here a little further away. And before long, we've soon eaten our way beyond the place of peace and safety and security and we're in the woods alone and lost. And it often happens little by little and by listening to and following our own destructive desires. So we need a place where we can experience peace and safety from our own destructive desires. And to do that, I believe we need to trust God's protection. Jesus begins chapter 10 by painting a picture of a shepherd with his sheep because this is the imagery that was frequently used to refer to a king and his people. In the modern world, we don't think like that at all. That's not how we think of our rulers and leaders. We tend to think of rulers and leaders as people running big companies, presidents and government officials, people sitting behind the big desk or chairing meetings or holding titles such as CEO, CFO, COO. Most of the time, though, people in these modern-day roles are quite removed from the employees who make up the rest of the organization. But in the Bible, we see that the ideal king, the ideal leader, is pictured as a shepherd. 
So, for example, in Ezekiel chapter 34, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? So here he's calling out the kings, the leaders, the rulers. And then in verse 11, says, For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after a scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. So the biblical view of a leader, God's view of a leader, is someone who has intimate and direct contact and trust. And this is the image that Jesus chooses to explain his own claim to be the true king of Israel. Now, we're going to dig into more of this next week when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But before he says he's the good shepherd, he first says, I am the gate. Because he wants you to know and trust his protection. So shepherds would usually have a sheep pen or a fenced-off area, maybe even a cave, where the sheep could be safe for the night. And at one side of the sheep pen, there would be a narrow gate. And at night, when it was time to return to the safety of the pen, the shepherd would call their sheep by name, and they would recognize his voice and start coming back to him. The sheep would then pass through this narrow gate and into the safety of the pen. The shepherd would then bandage their cuts, give them water and food. He would simply care for them. And then sometimes the shepherd would actually lie down and literally become the gate for the sheep pen. So that nothing could get in or go out without the shepherd being aware of it. So in our world, we tend to check out lots of different places to find peace and rest and security. Sometimes we try and find peace in alcohol or drugs to just take the edge off. Sometimes we hook up with the wrong set of friends because we want to be accepted. We want to feel like we belong. Or sometimes we even become habitual liars because, well, we want to feel better about ourselves, so we embellish our stories and achievements. And there are lots of wrong ways to look for peace and safety in the world, but there's only one right way. Jesus makes this outrageous claim that he is the gate for us, God's sheep. That Jesus is the narrow gate that the sheep must pass through. And when we hear his voice and come to him, we'll discover his protection. And when we place our trust in him every day as our gate and protector, that we'll experience God's protection and peace. We'll find rest. So to answer the original question of who is Jesus, Jesus is the only one who can bring our soul to a place of peace and safety. But it comes down to trusting him. Because I think at this point is where we start getting a bit squirmy. I think this is where it, it sounds nice in theory, but when you think about, wait, you're telling me that I'd go through this gate and now I'm in this pen for safety and security? I'm, I have these restrictions? This is where we start to kind of rub up against things. But don't forget, Jesus is saying this so that we can have life to the full. 
So how do you live a life to the full if you have to go through a narrow gate or live within the confines of a pen? Well, I used an illustration several years ago in our parenting series by an author, Josh Shipp, and I believe this parenting illustration still articulates what's happening here as, as God's children. So Josh says this, imagine you're on a roller coaster. You, you sit down in the seat, and the first thing that happens is some guy walks around and pushes down your lap bar. It secures the lap bar. And if you're like me, you start wrestling. You start pulling at it. You grab it. You push it. You prod it. You test it. And you do this. You push and you prod and you test and you wiggle, not hoping that it will give, not hoping that it will fail, but you push it and prod it and test it, hoping that it will hold to make sure that it's actually going to hold you in when you go on that ride. So Josh goes on to say, parents, the teen in your life is doing the exact same thing. That if they're pushing you and prodding you and testing you, they're hoping and confirming that you're going to hold. And he says, at a time in their life when so many things are uncertain, they need to know that you are certain. And at a time in their life that so many things are unstable, they need to know that you are stable. And at a time in their life when so many things are erratic, they need to know that you are consistent. So the good news is that if the teen in your life pushes you, you're not a bad person, you're not an imbecile, you're not messing things up or saying the wrong things. Simply means you're dealing with a teen. So parents, take heart and hang in there. But for everyone else, kids, teens, young adults, adults, seniors, the good news is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, who is the gate, you are saved. He will keep you safe. So when you push, prod, wiggle, and test him, just like a teenager does, he will hold. And as you push against him and test him and doubt him and question him, he continues to hold firm and he says, you're safe. I, I love you. I won't waver. I've, I've got you. When we trust in God's protection, that's when we experience God's peace. But it's trusting that he knows what's best for us, that he does have us in his care. And as you continue to learn God's voice and trust in his protection, you'll then know God's grace. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer, who says, the more I learn about the sin in my own heart, the more I want to know God's grace. That's why things can't start with us. Yes, we're made in the image of God. Yes, we're valuable and worthy of love. But the truth doesn't start with us. It starts with Jesus. And that's why he calls us to become his disciples, to become followers of Jesus. Because following Jesus means doing life together with Jesus. It's a daily commitment to learning, to growing and perhaps even failing. But Jesus didn't come to give us a systematic theology book. He wants us to become experts in the way of living. He wants us to follow him and become masters in this new way of life and being in the world. And the only way to get there is through practice, and at times that includes failure. 
But this is the beauty of knowing God's grace. Because no matter where you've been, what you've done, Jesus loves you. He's with you. He's for you. And I love that because so often we beat ourselves up. We're our own worst enemies. And, and we tell ourselves we're not good enough. We're, we're going to try and read our Bible every day this week. And you get through it maybe the first day and then you trail off. Jesus isn't, isn't there waiting to condemn you and scold you. He's simply calling you back. And he's saying, you're loved. You're safe. It's grace upon grace with Jesus. And he's calling you to come to him. He's inviting you to come through the gate, experience his protection, to know his grace. And friends, Jesus is the gate that will allow you to experience life and life to the full. So, I don't want this to be pragmatic in, in next steps of this is what you have to do. But for those wondering, how, how do I learn God's voice? Well, commit to spending time in his word, in prayer each day. Maybe call up a friend, someone else who's a follower of Jesus. And if you're really working through a big decision or something, trying to say, I think I hear God saying this to me. Like, I invite you in. So what, do, so what do you hear? Like, do you think this is from God? You're not alone. Let's do it together. Let's do life together as we all do life with Jesus. And then for those wondering, well, how do I trust God's protection? As I was wrestling through that question, I just thought, is there something you're struggling with? Is there something that you're pushing and prodding and testing and wiggling, just like that lap bar? Well, bring it to God. Lay it at his feet. Talk to him about it. Listen to it. And trust that he knows what's best for you. There are things in my life that I wrestle with God over, that I, I struggle with, that doesn't make sense. But I simply have to surrender it and just trust God's protection. And I believe as we do that, we continue to learn more and more of God's grace. That as we surrender to his will and allow God to speak to us, to transform us, to change our heart. I believe it allows his grace to overflow into gratitude. And we just become so much more grateful for what we have, where we are. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the only one who can bring our soul to a place of peace and safety. So tonight, friends, I'm just going to encourage you to, to place your trust in him. I, I know most of us sitting around here are, are believers. We're, we already follow Jesus. But let's take a moment to listen to his spirit and simply ask God, is, is there an area in my life that I haven't trusted you, that I'm not hearing your voice, that I'm not experiencing your grace? I'm just struggling. 
Because if Jesus is our peace and our response is to trust him, then we have to ask, is there a lie that I'm believing that's preventing me from trusting him and experiencing his peace? So let's just take a moment now to to pray in silence and then I'll conclude our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for the community that we have here tonight. I thank you for your body. And God, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being our gate, our protector, our provider. God, I just pray that Wherever people are at tonight, that you meet with them and that you allow them to hear your voice. God, what do you want to say to us? I believe you have a word for each one of us that meets our specific need, and I pray that whether audibly or from a friend or a nudge in our spirit, that you make that known to us. God, thank you for your salvation, for your safety. Help us learn your voice more and more so that we can ignore the lies the enemy. As we move into communion now, I pray that you will help us become present to your presence. In your name we pray.